Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Darius Mershazadeh today. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful day. I hope that you are having a phenomenal day today, and I really appreciate you listening. Really appreciate you tuning in to Elevate. Really appreciate you watching wherever you are. I hope that you're having a phenomenal day. So I want to make it even better because it is time to take it to another level. You know that I am welcoming you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. And of course, we've got a top expert in other industries and disciplines today in Darius, as well as, you know, with a background in real estate in, uh, in the mortgage industry. And, uh, you know, Darius has an amazing background, an amazing story that I think you're going to love to learn from. But this is for leaders entrepreneurs and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary, a white hot burning desire for the extraordinary, which is exactly what I have, which is exactly what you must have. If you want to create greatness in your life, you must have a burning desire, you must have hunger. And uh, if you have that, then that's really the recipe for creating anything that you want, because it's not about resources, it's about resourcefulness, and you can build your resourcefulness on top of that desire. So I think it's extremely powerful. And it's also our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. We will distill the mindset, the habits, routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from those who are elevating to a life without limits so that you can do the same or even more for yourself, for your family, for the people that you care about, for impact, right? It's for the outcome. What are you looking to create? What is your legacy that you want to create in your life? We want to show you how to do that. We want to open your mind to the possibilities rather than, you know, all the poor stuff out there, all the stuff that says you can't do this, or, you know, everything's wrong in the world. There's so many problems, there's so many challenges, you know, there's so many, you know, awful things. Well, guess what? There's never been a better time to be alive than there is today than it is today. So I want to feed your mind with the possibility, with the positivity and with the possibilities. My goodness, I'm trying to combine two words here, right? Maybe we'll, it will invent a new word, but guess what? There is no limits to your future. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through real estate investing, through mindset expansion, through other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you are enjoying the show, we'd certainly welcome you and invite you to subscribe to Elevate Podcast and give us a rating and review uh, because we appreciate your feedback. And of course, the algorithms, they help us rank better and they help us show up to more people when you give us that feedback. So if you have 15 seconds, please, 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 if you have not done this already, go give us a rating and review. Uh, because it helps so much. And our goal is to really reach this message to millions of people that you do not have to live a life of toleration. You do not have to live a life that says, when is Friday at five o'clock going to get here? You know, like Monday morning at 8.30am, you're like, I cannot wait until 5pm on Friday. You don't have to live that life. You can live a life of abundance, of joy, of inspiration, of curiosity, of limitless energy. You know what, if you step into your zone of genius, if you allow yourself to push past that worry, that fear, that anxiety, 
you can live in a zone of genius. Your unique ability is there. It's beyond that fear. It's beyond that discomfort. And I want that for you. I want that for more people. And, um, you know, if you share this episode with someone else, that gives us the opportunity to really create an impact in the world. And you can be a part of that. So uh, please subscribe, give us a rating or review, share this episode, the fee that we ask you to pay is just to share this with one person. You can even post it on social media if you don't have anybody to share it to. Maybe you have already shared it with you know the closest people to you, which we're super grateful for. I am extremely thankful that you've thought of us in that capacity. Post it on Facebook. You know, post it on Instagram. Post it on uh, you know Twitter. Give us your top three distinctions. You know, what is it that you are learning here? And that can just be your way to really pay the fee. And we are so grateful for that. It doesn't cost you a dime, by the way. All it does is it costs you an opportunity to impact someone else. And we want you to be a part of this impact uh, because there's so much available for all of humanity if we really step into this and own this. And uh, I want to encourage you to go check out that Facebook community page. It's Elevate Podcast Community. You can go deeper with the community. You can build relationships. You can expand the conversation with the tribe. Be a part of the tribe. And I also want to invite you to be a part of the Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy tribe as well, because we are launching that thing off. We've already launched it off. We are already making massive shifts, massive breakthroughs for amazing people who want to be high performers. They want to be ultra elite performers so that they can have more time so that they can make more money, so they can have more freedom, right? They can have more freedom of choosing where they want to be, you know, choosing how they want to pay their bills, right? Because they're financially free. They're choosing who they want to surround themselves with. They're choosing where they are, right? They're choosing how they want to impact the world. Because a lot of us think that they can't choose those type of things. A lot of us think that, you know, it's luck, right? But guess what? It's not luck. We can actually create that through being a high performer, whether you're in real estate, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a salesperson, you know, whether you're a W-2 corporate employee, which is what I used to be, right? I used to be a W-2 corporate employee. Guess what? It's all available to all of us. And we'd love to have you join us at Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. So go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com. Go watch our masterclass and learn because you're going to get massive value from just showing up to that workshop. And uh, you can register on elevatecoachingacademy.com. And I'm going to tell you that Coach Trevor McGregor and I are pouring our hearts and souls into this program. We would love to have you be a part of this because we know that it will transform your life. Turn decades into days in the matter of eight weeks, okay? Eight weeks to really transform everything within your business, within your life. Go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com, Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. Let me tell you, we've been creating this for two years. We've been working very hard on this to create an experience that will change everything. And by the way, you're going to make lifelong relationships, lifelong friendships with amazing people, including myself and Trevor, and including other people from around the nation, right? Other people internationally as well. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I'm having so much fun. It's filling up my, literally my life force. My energy has become limitless because of this. And I'm telling you right now, I want you to experience that as well. So go to elevatecoachingacademy.com. And uh, also, if you want to learn more about Elevate Podcasts, just go to elevatepod.com. My goodness, I am talking a lot, guys. So let me dive in to Darius Mershazadeh, who is a dad, a husband, a twin, a brother, 
and a son who was born and raised in California and now who lives in beautiful, amazing Austin, Texas. He's a serial entrepreneur, author. He's a conscious capitalist, capitalist uh, speaker, and entertainer. Darius's passion is to make the world a better place by using his talents and engagement. He is all about the P's, passion, pizza, I love that, puzzles, and pink uniform. Unicorns, not uniforms. I say, by the way, I do wear uniforms back in uh, middle school and high school. It's like, man, I do not miss uniforms. So shout out to uniforms. Uh, no more for me, but <laughs> pink unicorns. If you are more into traditionally braggy vanity metrics around success, he was ranked 40 in the Inc. 500 CEOs in 2007 with 2,500 percent plus revenue growth in three years of his business at Twin Capital Mortgage. He was ranked number nine in Glassdoor's top ranked CEOs in American for small to medium businesses. Darius has participated in many prestigious programs, including Birthing of Giants at MIT and graduated from the world-renowned Stoggin Integral Leadership Program. He was a TEDx curator for the TEDx Golden Gate Park in 2011 and 2012 and at the DeYoung Museum in San Francisco. The theme was the pursuit of passion. So I want to pursue some passion today, and I want to invite you to enjoy this amazing conversation with Darius Moshazadeh. Darius, how are you, sir? Oh, fucking living the dream. <laughs> I thought you, I did not know where you're going with that. I'm like, this could go in any direction. It's like, oh, I'm horrible. I'm great. I'm, you know, you're living the dream. I love that, though. Man, listen, we're breathing. We're up. We're making shit happen. That's right. Living the dream. I love that, man. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice every day, right? Every day is a new day. We're just talking about crazy things. We're talking about cryptocurrency. We're talking about, you know, who knows where the next day is going. In fact, you and I, the first conversation we had, we were talking about books and we were reading an interesting book called The Fourth Turning. We're in an interesting set of circumstances in the world, but we're focused on growing, right? I mean, could you talk about you know, perhaps maybe let's back up, but then I do want to come there and talk about, you know, how do you kind of manage your mindset, but tell us a little bit more about Darius Mershazadeh behind the bio. Like, who are you behind this public image and all these awesome things, the, you know, the pink unicorns and all this stuff? I, I'm not the guy who wore the Chewbacca bikini at the Capitol building two days ago. So. Uh, that's not you. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll check me. that off the list. <laughs> I, 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 I thought about it. I passed. I, he took me, he, he, he went one step out of me. No, um, you know, man, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I'm a core value evangelist. I'm a pink, pink unicorn enthusiast. I'm a dad. I got two kids who like, they're my reason for existence. Um, I'm half Persian, half Italian, 42 years old. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm a, I'm a high growth guy. And, and when I say that, I, what I mean by that is I've taken companies from startup to a legit nine figures, uh, in revenue, thousand employees in super short periods of time. My last business, we did it in under three years. Um, and all bootstrapped. I'm a bootstrapper, but, but you know, man, I don't know, man, you know, I, I'm working with this, uh, with this badass coach right now. It's my coach. His name is Jeff Spencer. You know, who the, have you heard of him? I don't know him. No, I interviewed him on my show. I, and I'm, I'm a host, I have a show, a show called the greatness machine. Yep. Uh, I'm an author. Uh, my book, we're going to talk about that is core value. Oh. Equation. Um, and yeah, I was talking to Jeff cause uh, he, I'm a, uh, he's my new coach. And I said, you know, man, and this is probably the best way to, uh, for me to 
describe myself. This is a new, I'm, I'm, co- I'm coming out in public, Tyler. <laughs> um, I, I said, you know, man, I'm like a 50% artist and 50% CEO. Like that's, mm, I like, like that. I, I, I'm, 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 yeah. My, my core purpose is to live a poetic life. And, and, and I, I define this is to live a poetic life and a life of engagement that helps others live an engaged life as well. So, um, awesome. you know, I got, I've gotten really clear on that. And for me, it's doing it, uh, it both through art and through business. And my art is my word. I like to talk shit, you know, <laughs> I'm irreverent. Yeah. That's about, I like to you're just who you're who you are, which I really like about you. It's just like, you know, your art, but you're also business, which is such a like, paradox right it's so different but that's who you are and you're authentic and you show up at that but you know one thing that i do admire so much about you is that you are that high growth guy you can take businesses from zero to nine figures to thousands of employees i mean like what separates those type of organizations that make it versus 90 plus percent of businesses that just totally tank i mean what, what what's a separator well, well, it's not not even, I, so, so look, the tanking part, I think, I think there's a dichotomy between a business that tanks and one that scales, right? Yeah. Um, it's a fine line actually, but, um, and sometimes it's out of their control. I will tell you the biggest detriment to most companies are the leaders. They themselves, you want to know wh- why your business isn't growing? It's real fucking easy. Go get a mirror and look in it. Mm. Um, you know, what you organize, uh, leaders get the organizations they deserve. Leaders get the organizations they deserve. So I had this moment, I talk about it in my book, where I had this, my first company, my first company, I don't know if you knew this, my first company, I was 25 years old when I started it. This shows you how big of a knucklehead I am. I had a business that I started when I was 25 as a mortgage company. I, I built a, my, my, my experience has come primarily in the mortgage company, in the mortgage industry. Funny enough is when I got to like the top of my like apex in the mortgage in- industry, which I just exited this year, um, I ended up having a holding company. We own a bunch of companies. We own ad agency. We own a software company. Uh, I own a professional sports team. <laughs> I own a, a bunch of stuff, right? And and so um, none of them made any money except the mortgage company. But um, you know, um, or that nothing, nothing major. Insurance company. We own a bunch of stuff. Um, but I, um, my first company, I grew from myself and one assistant to 150 employees in three years, and. And uh, we were at number 40, 40 in the Inc. 500 at the time. Um, and so, and I was 25 when I started that company. I had no idea what I was doing. And I hit this point about three years in where I go up to this guy in my, in my office. And mind you, like, I'm in my 20s. So when you're in your 20s and you're a CEO of a company, everyone's either, most of your employees are older than you, you yeah. know? And this guy was probably like roughly my age, maybe a little bit younger. So we had a lot of young people there. This is in San Francisco. And I go up to Brian and I go, hey, man, what's going on with the Smith, the Smith file? Brian goes, I don't know, man, not my job. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. And I was like, oh, yeah, Brian? Well, whose fucking job is it then? Is it mine? I'm the CEO. And I walk off and I'm pissed. And I go into my office. I close the door. And I sit down. And I got this huge glass wall overlooking this big, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? A uh, sales floor, you know. Um, and <laughs> Tyler, I said this. I'll never forget it. I said, I hate this fucking company. Ooh. Then, wow. which is, which is, you know, I was pissed. And then I said, then, and I built it. It was mine. And I said, and then the, the, the famous last words, I said, it's all my fault. Well, thank God that you said yeah, that, right? I took ownership of it. And so, so here's, here's like going back to what I just said a moment ago before that I said, 
leaders get the organizations they deserve. So, so, so when people, what I find, especially, you know, right now I'm, I'm helping companies scale, right? And, and, and I always joke with my, I don't even know if you call them clients and it's hard for me to call them clients because I'm, I'm, they're like my friends, right? But I, but I go in and I'm like, I ride shotgun the CEO, right? The CEO sitting there tell, showing me what they're doing and I just ride shotgun. The only difference between me and them is I have less limbs than they do because mine have been blown off in war and I know where all the landmines are. <laughs> and and so when they're driving into a landmine, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. There's a landmine over there. And then they look at me and they go do it. I'm like, eh, see if you have legs when you come out of there, bro. <laughs> you know? And and so what I find is people, a lot of times people need to learn by losing their own limbs. And and so I think for me, that's a big part of it is people tend to do a couple things. Number one is they tend to need to learn on their own mistakes, which I think is a huge mistake. Number two is they tend to create false constraints of what they are capable of doing. So they they create, put their own ceiling above them. For me, when I was running a $2 million, $2 million company, I was like, I'm gonna build a billion dollar company. And I meant it. And, 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 and I remember saying, I can't wait till I'm running a $100 million company. And I remember that feeling. And it was three years later that it was, I had a $100 million company. Um, and, and when I was at a hundred, I'm like, I'm going to build a $200 million company. And when I was a $200 million company, I said, I'm going to build a $400 million company. And I just like numbers like kept rising, which is, it's a positive and negative. You know, the positive side of it is don't have any constraints on yourself. The negative is, is celebrate your wins. Yeah. Yeah. I never did that either. Never satisfied. Right. Oh, no, no. I could have been running up. I could have been running Amazon. I'd be like, I want to beat Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Vice versa. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. Yeah, like, like that's that, and that's, and by the way, that's a lie. Like, like for anyone out there, like if you think you're going to be happy when X happens, I'm going to tell you what that X is. It's nothing. It's Never, you, yeah. you're going to be happy when you make your, when you are happy with the life you have today. Yes. Um, because that life will constantly change and you'll constantly wait for the next thing that doesn't happen that is going to make you happy or does happen that makes you same. Your satisfaction level doesn't change. The, the bar just moves up. Um, so that's the second thing is that uh, no constraints, right? The third, and I think the most important, is uh, focus. Like, I see a lot of people who, the minute they get successful at one thing in their business, they start to get, and entrepreneurs do this all the time. We get super like shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like fucking dogs. We're like, oh, look at that over there. Oh, look at that. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> dude, hey. you're running a $1 million business. You're running a $5 million, you're running a $50 million business. I, I know people are like, can you just say 50 and say it like, like it's not a big deal? I meant it. You're running a $50 million business. You understand that like you would like you couldn't even like a public traded company you're like like you're like a fraction of a penny stock at mm. a 50 million you're not even a penny stock at a 50 million dollar business <laughs> you're like a fra- you're like a penny of a penny like <laughs> right put that into perspective right like if you're a billion dollar market cap business you're a billion dollar company like unless you're a tech company but like you know let's talk about companies that actually make real revenue you're a com- if you're a company Concept. that makes real revenue right? And you're a billion dollar company. You're like the smallest ant in the world. You're nothing. Like you're nothing, man. Like, like, like I, I think I read yesterday that Apple made $63 billion, I think of profit last year. It's insane. Okay. So, so just put that in perspective, but here we are running our $2 million company, looking at all the shiny objects. And I'm like, listen, focus on growing your one product until you have 10% market share in your entire industry and then go look for another product. Mm. And, and and that was a lesson I learned. The reason I just said before that I owned all these businesses was that I got shiny object syndrome. 
So I had to learn by, by making those mistakes. And, and so I see, I, I had a person I was mentoring who's a friend of mine and they're running a two, a million dollar company and she's had seven products and she's telling me about her next three products she wants to launch. And I laughed at her and I said, why don't you focus on getting one of those into a million first? Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. You know, oh, that's huge. That's huge. And I yeah. think there's so much, um, you know, there's so much wisdom there because if you think about like the false constraints, right? I think that one's a really important one to really hone in on because you think about beliefs, right? What do you think is possible? And whatever you think is possible is what your future holds if you commit to that, right? If you focus, if you don't, you don't have to learn by losing limbs, right? You can surround yourself with people who can help you get to that next level or elevate to the next level. But the other thing too, that I thought was really wise is that, you know, entrepreneurs, we live in the future a lot. Like we're living in the future and we have a desire to create that future, whether it's a $200 million business or a billion dollar business or whatever it is, but it's also about the impact. It's also about the purpose behind it. And it's also about trying to, as, as much as you can live in that present too, right? So you can have a quality of life because the next level isn't always going to make you you know, more fulfilled or happy or fill that void within us. Right. So um, I think that's really, really important, but is there anything else you'd say to that? Well, I, I have a, I have another mentor. So I, I, the one thing I've gotten really good at is getting mentors. I got a bunch of them now. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it was like something around the age of turning at 40. Like I started getting a lot of badass mentors. Um, so my, my coach is Tiger Woods, coach. And he's, Ooh, that's awesome. And he's, he, he coached seven tour de France's with, with, um, with uh, Lance Armstrong. He was his coach for seven, seven years. Um, and he's a mindset coach. And, and, and that's one of my mentors, but another one of my mentors, he went out and he in, interviewed 33 billionaires and one of them, and I can't remember the, the, the guy's business, but if I said the businesses, everyone on this, everyone would know what I'm talking about. Cause he's, he's like a multi-billionaire and it's a huge company. It's a huge, huge business. He owns a, it's like almost a holding company where he owns a bunch of different companies you would all know of. And and my friend, his name's Rick Sapio, was interviewing him. And you can look, Rick talks about this on other podcasts. It's R-I-C-K-S-A-P-I-O. So I'd love anyone that wants to go look Rick up, Rick Sapio, uh, pod, billionaire interview podcast. He's on a bunch of podcasts talking about this. Um, but he and I were talking privately about it. And Rick said to me, he said, you know, I was talking to so-and-so from such and such. 
and I was telling, we were talking about growing businesses and, and I was telling him how I wanted to grow how my approach, my approach, my thought. And the guy laughed at me and he said, you know what that is, Rick? You want to know what he said, Tyler? What did he say? He said, what you just said right now, that's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. <laughs> that hits you. That'll, that'll get you in the gut. Yeah. And what it was, was he said, the fact that you even know what people are doing in the business is the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Billionaires wow. don't even know. They have no wow. idea. They're, they're focused on finding the guy or the girl that's going to be the person that's going to worry about that. Wow. You can't even. So when people throw these crazy numbers, I want to grow a $500 million business. I'm like, dude, you're the doer in your business. Like, mm. like you're not even a C you're like, literally, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, you go bankrupt. So you're the doer. Like you, like you literally know the revenue spigot turns off the minute you don't show up to work. You, mm -hmm. you just have a really expensive job that you get paid a lot to do. So, so when people throw these billionaire comments to me or, I mean, I have a lot of feelings about like, well, why do you want to be a billionaire? Because it's something to brag about? Or is it because you actually want to create so much value that it happens? Mm. Because I read this, uh, this uh, Quora article by Elon Musk's ex-wife. -ex I recommend anyone doing this. And she, and she talks about what it takes to become a billionaire. And, it's just, and she's, I can't remember her name, but it's Elon, it's, uh, she was an actress, I think. And she's talking about Elon. And, and uh, I actually met Elon Musk. I, I met him in like a really small group. It was me and him and three or four other people. And we were like standing in a circle, which is a really awkward thing to do, by the way. <laughs> Especially like, with Elon Musk, who is a little awkward, but we, we're still trying to get him on Elevate. So if you know him, just send him my way. Yeah, I don't know him, but my, but, <laughs> but, but he spoke at the, at, it was at South by South, South, Southwest. And he would spoken at the Moody Theater here in front of about 3000 people. And my friend was the agent of the person who was interviewing him. And the person that was interviewing him was this guy by the name of Jonah Nolan. Jonah Nolan has an older brother whose name is Christopher Nolan. So Jonah Nolan is married to this woman, I don't know her name, and he and his wife are the showrunners of this TV show that we would all, that you might know called Westworld. So Jonah Nolan and his wife are the showrunners. So for those people that don't know what a showrunner is, do you know what a showrunner is? No, I don't actually know. It's the CEO of a, of a TV show. Okay. If you are a showrunner, it's your TV show. You, okay. You're the CEO of the show. So you hire the producers and you hire the casting people and you're the CEO. It's your, it's, you're in charge, right? So whenever you meet someone, they say they're a showrunner, they're the CEO of the TV show. And so he and his wife are the CEO of Westworld, essentially. And he gets asked to, to interview Elon Musk and it was impromptu, last minute. And they do this, this talk in front of 3,000 people and my buddy's Jonah's agent and so we go and, and he, and we're, and he's here in town for South by and he, and in Austin and he goes, Hey dude. And we're, we're having breakfast. We're catching up. We're buddies from college. And he goes, and he's like, keeps looking at his phone. I'm like, fuck does he keep looking at his phone? <laughs> and, and I'm, and I'm showing, I'm building a house here. So I'm showing him like the, and we're, it's in their construction. So I'm showing him the construction site. He keeps looking at his phone and I'm like, dude, would you put away your fucking phone? And, and he goes, I'm sorry, man, I don't mean to be distracted, but you want to go, you want to go see Elon Musk talk? And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we go to, we go VIP treatment, we get in there, which is cool. You know, I don't care about that, but it was, it was cool. So he got us in. And then afterwards he goes, Hey, you want to go meet Elon? And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we go and we, and it's empty. The place, the whole auditorium is empty at this point. We go to the back to the, to get in the back of the Moody and we, and, and, and he goes to the security goes, Hey, we're, we're going back to see Elon and Jonah. She goes, oh, they left her. And he goes, boop, 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 calls his, he goes, hey, yeah, we're out there. Okay, cool. 
the girl comes up, she goes, no, they're coming back, grabs us, and we go back there. And it's Elon, his brother, Jonah, his wife, me, and my buddy. That's awesome. Six of us. And we go into a little circle, and I'm standing right next to Elon Musk. And he's, first of all, he's super fucking tall. Is he? I, I was wondering. That's yeah, he's like six, he's like six, four, six, five. Interesting. He's really tall. And he's like, and he's a total introvert, right? Yeah. And so, weird and I'm dude. A total, weird dude. And I'm, Great dude, though. I admire him. I love yeah, him. Yeah, he's, dude, yeah. He's, a, he's a total maverick, right? Like the guy's oh. totally changing the world. Like he's the richest guy in the world as of today. I know, which is fascinating. To yeah, me. yeah, totally. Right. And, and, and what, here's the funny thing I didn't know this. The day I saw him, he was four weeks away from going out of business. Dude, it was like, dude, he's so, he's up and down like crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. March of 2018 was when I met him. He was four weeks away from pulling all his cash and going. He was selling everything. I remember he was selling all of his assets at that time. This is when he pulled up a sleeping bag and slept on the floor because the Model 3 wasn't getting manufactured fast enough. He was sleeping on the floor of Tesla, uh, of the the factory, right? And so I didn't know. I met him that day, and and, and he was weird. I, I tell people he had, like, no soul in his eyes. But I think he was just tired because he'd been he was almost he's about to lose his like entire fortune. I didn't know this. <laughs> like who knew? I, I I didn't know that till recently. Um, but for, so first of all, like I'm a very gregarious person and I'm super outgoing. And I'm in this circle and I have nothing to say. Oh, it was interesting. Super, it was super painful, man. I was why like, was that? Why was that? Well, f- well, first of all, start to think about what are the things you when, let's say you walk into a group of people you don't know. But what if you knew who all of them were? That's and, awkward. It's and they awkward. knew you knew who they were. <laughs> I hate that. I know what you mean. Yes. Okay. So, so first of all, you can't say, hey, I'm Darius. What's your name? <laughs> that, that gets thrown out the fucking window, right? I can't say like, hey, I'm Darius. What's your name? I can't say, what do you do? Because they, right, were, right. they were all just on stage a moment ago. Hey, man, you're like one of the most famous people on the planet. Never heard of you before, though. Like what? Yeah. So, so what do you do is out the window. Right. Who are you is out the window. So you tell me what's the next question. I mean, I guess what I would probably do is like, Hey, Elon, I really admire you really appreciate everything you do for humanity. You know, yeah, whatever. I don't dude, know. It's corny. It's corny. It's kind of fancy, but what do you think? Yeah. Now you're fanboy, and, yeah. and, 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 and now you're sub- subordinating yourself. I get that. I get that. I totally dude, do. It, it's a peer to peer group. They're hanging out. My buddies, these are his friends. But so dude, now I'm the fucking it's the elephant in the room though. At the same time, dude, I just didn't, I was like, I can't do that either. I can't subordinate myself. <laughs> so what did you do? What did you do? I just said, so, Hey, have you, I said, where, I said, how long are you guys in town for? <laughs> I just made small. Did you talk. ask him what his favorite color was next? Well, I have a buddy that told me what to do in this circumstance. He said, "Hey, can you guys?" And so he said, and even this would have been awkward. He's like, "You should ask him what's a question no one's ever asked you guys before." Oh, there it is. Okay, I like that. Right. But now yeah. he was just on stage for three hours answering questions, so uh, that yeah. doesn't work either. None of them work. Like I, I wanted to take a picture with them. I couldn't do that. I know. I, I can't. Do I that couldn't either. do anything. It was, dude. It was. <laughs> I was frozen. So finally, I just said, how long are you guys in town for? Oh, we're getting ready to leave. We're going back to the Four Seasons and we're going to catch our flight, which is basically them getting on a private jet. And I yeah. said, I said, have you, I said, and, and I said, oh, have you guys had barbecue while you're here yet? Because Austin, we have awesome barbecue. And they're like, oh, we have some waiting at our hotel. I'm like, is it Franklin's? Franklin's barbecue is the yeah. most. By the way, my next door neighbor is Aaron Franklin. Ooh, um, yeah. nice. He's much more talkative. Uh, just if you ever, he's a very, very talkative guy. Um, That's awesome. So then they're like, oh, we don't know. And that was the end of it. I was like, God dang it. I have nothing to say. <laughs> oh, it was so painful. Like, well, couldn't you have been like, hey, what's the next planet we're going to like colonize or something? Like, come on, man. 
Where are you at? You know what? You know, it's like, would you say that to? What do you? I didn't want to look like a dipshit. You know. I know. I just said, you know what? For once in my life, I'm just gonna shut the fuck up, and I don't need to. (laughs) I don't need to say something witty or funny. I just didn't. I I just couldn't figure out a way to like make it seem natural. So yeah, I I chose to be quiet, and I just, which was it was awkward and odd. But I did shake his hand, which is cool. So what did you learn from that? I mean, what, what, it, what, what's your takeaway from that circumstance? Is there anything that really is a takeaway or is it more right, so you missed right. your opportunity to build a business with Elon Musk or what's, yeah, what's the no, deal? No, there was, there was no business being created that day. He didn't go. <laughs> no, what, no, this is what it gets worse. So, so the next, so I go to a coffee meeting with this, uh, with this guy I was mentoring who was in, doing some AI work. And I told him, I like, guess what I just met. He's like, I met Elon Musk. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, even I said, this, my hand just touched him. Here, I started touching him. Like, <laughs> Talk about subordinating. I hope Elon didn't listen to this conversation. Yeah. Well, hey, no, no. You know what? Uh, the, my feelings there is like you can actually spread vibes through DNA. So I'm like, hey, listen. Ah. Like, 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 no, no, this is, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> listen, him being the most wealthiest guy in the world means jack shit to me. Um, yeah. Like, it was just like one of those things where the guy, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, has done some really cool things. So I was, 100%. That's what I mean by yeah. what I said. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't, I just hadn't, you know what, what I, my, I didn't have a, a takeaway that was positive, but something happened that was negative, actually. Mm-hmm. The next, that afternoon, I can't believe I'm admitting this, <laughs> I felt like a complete fucking loser. Really? Yeah, yeah. And dude, listen, I'm running this. Comparison or what? Comparison bias kind of thing? I, I totally did compare yeah. despair. Oh, yeah. Here I am running like a $200 million company thinking I'm a badass, and I felt like a complete loser because I met some mm. guy that was like, the most one of the most powerful entrepreneurs in the world and i was comparing myself to him and and so what's funny is i have this buddy who's like this really successful venture capitalist he's like darius don't you see the win in the fact that you a met elon musk and b you actually compared yourself against him that's a win and i was like i was like all right yeah yeah it was it was my brain actually did that you know talk about no constraints right right you know? well, there's some osmosis, right? You know, like I've been a part of masterminds and it's amazing, you know, like internally you're like, there's some dissonance there, but it's like, maybe there's some subconscious like up leveling that's occurring just by surrounding yourself with other people, right? That's what we're talking about. Well, so here's the story gets way worse. Okay. <laughs> so what right around that time now, right around that time I had had this thing in my life where I was like, man, I feel like something's missing in my life. So this was just one more like kind of jab at that because I didn't know what it was. I just didn't feel like I was creating enough impact in the business. You know, I, I, I built this business that I always dreamed about building. And I just wasn't feeling satisfied. And about a year later, that, that whisper of like, I'm not feeling like I'm creating enough impact became a scream. And six months after that, I decided to step down from my company as CEO to the surprise of everybody. Wow. And, and during that time I wrote my book and then I and then I exited my that business. Uh, you know, I was on a stone owner and on the board, but I exited it. But yeah, that was that was probably now that I think about it, my meeting Elon Musk was the first step to me quitting. Wow. Interesting. Really? Yeah. So it was a realization that you weren't making enough impact. And then there were so many beautiful seeds that were planted in that moment that then you were able to step into your zone of genius and talk about the core value equation and do what you're doing now. That's amazing. I really, actually, that's really awesome. And I'd love to know, I mean, like what fascinates you about core values? Because you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of business growth, but now you've honed in on this being really your core passion. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So about a year after I met Elon, I wrote, I started writing the book. Uh, actually six months or sorry, eight months after meeting him was when I, I got asked to speak about core values from a guy that I had mentored. And he's an orthodontist and he was emceeing this huge, like the largest orthodontics convention in the United States. And he asked me to, to keynote it. And I was like, I'm not fucking keynoting that shit. <laughs> and, and so he's like, come on, man, just do it. You know, and he's, he's a really likable guy. And I was like, all right, man, for you, I'll do it. So I go, I said, but I don't want to keynote it. I want you to ask, I want you to um, interview me like fireside chat. Mm, so I'm go. not going to, I don't want to come to a presentation. I want you to like, let's, let's chat. So I, so I go to Dallas and it's in front of like, I don't know, like 500 or 600 orthodontics, orthodontists. And so um, I did this mic drop talk. It's on my website, actually. There's a couple guys that do a testimonial and they're like, you, like, you crushed it, right? It was a really good, like, I just did what I did, which is I know I've learned, I became a core value evangelist and that became the tool for me to A, create impact and B, to scale and to do it with that, with minimal to zero growing pains mm. was Core values have the opportunity to become the language of the organization. And I've learned how to essentially do that. How do you scale them in an organization in a very easy way so that they can become the language of accountability so that you can then grow faster. And so um, I did this talk on it. And at the end of the talk, I, this line of people, it was like a hundred people waiting to talk to me, which was cool. Like I've, I've never really, I'd always just been focused on building business. I wasn't really a person that was out there talking at all. You know, I wasn't like on the circuit. I mean, when you're building a business that's that big, like you got to be super focused on it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do it. Like I'm going to go do a podcast or I'm going to go focus on trying to build another hundred million dollars of, of revenue. I'm going to go right. do the. I want to build a billion. I'm building a billion dollar business in my brain. So like, I don't have time for that shit. You know, I, I just didn't, right? I'm focused on adding another hundred employees this month. I don't, I'm not focused on building a mastermind or a class or I don't care about any of that shit. You know, like I didn't even know what that stuff was, right? Yeah, <laughs> I really, right. I didn't, I really right. had no idea, you know? And so, um, I mean, I'd heard about it, but it was just like this thing that I heard other people, like I knew other influencers that were doing it. Mm -hmm. But for me, it just looked like a lot of work and I, I couldn't put my head around how I was going to have the time to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I have no, nothing against it, but I was focused on what I was focused on. And right. so um, anyway, I, at the end of the talk, I had this line of people and they kept coming up to me and they're like, is there like a class or is there like a book we can, like, that we read about this? Bing. And I'm like, and I'm like, nope, this is all my shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so Just, like, I, hopefully you I had your asked, phone out and you recorded this. <laughs> yeah. So the next time, and, and I'm like six times I'm asked this in like the, in a row. And, mm. and, 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 and finally the set, six or seven time they said, is there like a book or a class? I said, yeah, it's coming out. And I have this book. It's my, I'm writing a book. It's coming out in June. <laughs> Ooh. So I decided I decided to write the book. This is in 19 and this is in, in uh, well, this is in November of 18. And so then I got, I met a guy by the name of Tucker Max, who I don't mm -hmm. know if you know him. Yeah, no Tucker. But, but Tucker's a friend of this guy, John Rulin, who's a friend of mine. And Rulin wrote this book called Giftology. That's a really great book if you haven't read it. Um, and he's a great guy to put on the show too. You should, I can hook you up with him. Um, but Rulin introduced me to Tucker, who's here in Austin. And I end up doing this thing called guided author, which is a, essentially it's a mastermind for writing a book. Mm -hmm. um, and you write your own book and they, they coach you. And so I wrote, I wrote the core value equation and I, it poured out of me. I started April 8th, no, April 1st of 19. And I had my first draft done by June 25th. And I had the final locked manuscript by September 25th. Oof. Um, wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah, it was amazing, man. It just poured out of me. Like I had, I'd been doing the work for so long that it was it was just organizing it is all I needed help with. But yeah. and I love to write, I love to talk, so that's yeah. that wasn't hard. I'm a communicator, so. No um, and then and then November thirteenth, I quit. I, I was done. I I I like I just didn't want to. I, I love my the company I built's a great company. They're still killing it. I love my ex partners there, but I was just I, I hit a point where I needed to. I was at a crossroad and I made, I made a change. I said, I need to go explore. You know, I've yeah. done this. I've climbed this mountain. I need to go climb a new mountain. For sure. Actually, yeah, that's funny you say that. The, the second mountain. You're on the second mountain now, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're consumed yeah. now with your second mountain instead of consuming, right? That's yeah, who, really interesting. Who, who's, who's the author? David Brooks? Is that who it is? I don't know. We had Jarek Robbins on the show and he talked about it. And I haven't read the book, actually. Um, I, I, I listened to a talk on him and I did the same thing with the fourth turning. Because I, I get, uh, so, so yeah, the second mountain is I'm on my second mountain right now. Yeah. And so it's, uh, I can tell, I can tell yeah. David, well, Bro David Brooks, that's David Brooks. Okay. David Brooks. So we'll put that, we'll put links in the show notes um, of all the books that we've already talked about today. And of course the core value of equation, but I want to talk about, it looks like, you know, kind of what you stepped into was like your zone of genius too, because it was not like work, right? It didn't feel like work and it just poured out of you. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, look, I'd always, uh, even when I was building the company, I always tell people that I said, look, I don't care about mortgages. You know, I, I, when I say the word mortgage, people's eyes glaze over. They don't care. It's not sexy. Yeah, no, right. It's not interesting. It's a really great way to make money. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of money in that business because you're, you're essentially a moving company. You're in the business of moving money, mm -hmm. right? So that, so my business would move $15 billion of money per year, right? And when you move right. 15 billion, you get to make a piece of it, right? Yeah, no doubt. And, and it's invisible, but you make it, right? And so um, I never gave a shit about it. I, 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 what I liked was building companies and I liked motivating people and I liked changing lives of the employees because I could see it and it was tangible. Yes. Um, and I liked gr seeing them grow their careers and I liked seeing the company create impact and have a creating, and I'm, I'm a customer experience guy. So for me, I loved creating a superior customer experience in a product that was inferior for, to that. Mortgage, like no one calls their mortgage company because they're having a good day. Right? Yeah, right. But in my, my company, we, we'd wish you happy birthday if you call on your birthday, right? Mm -hmm. Or we, uh, we, we would send you a birthday card. We would, we would, if you're a vet, we'd thank you for your service. So like, mm -hmm. we would just all those little things, things that no one thinks about, we think about. And, and for me, I was all about creating a, a, an amazing customer experience because I wanted to do what my business was built for, which was to grow, our core purpose was to grow happiness. And I learned yeah. the, the whole concept of finding your why directly from Simon Sinek. Literally, I, I, did, a, I did a workshop with him in 09. That's um, awesome. That before anyone knew, knew before he did his famous, now famous talk, um, before he wrote his book. And so um, I've been introduced to all these concepts and I've used them and kind of built my own IP around how do you take these concepts and build what I call cultural assets that can then, you can get, then measure for ROI. Um, and and what, what I found is that we, none of us, if, if I said, hey, Tyler, like, what is it exactly that you do for a living now? Ask me that question. Yeah, you're asking me that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. real, yeah, real estate investor. You know, real estate high performance coach, and cool. yeah, that's it. Okay, so if I if I and and how old are you? Do you mind saying your age? Thirty two. Okay, cool. So twenty two years ago, when you were ten, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, NBA basketball player. <laughs> right, and so I used to do the same thing with my team. I'd say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And, yeah. and so the answer is none of us wanted to be what we are when we're thirty two. 
right. in general. It's like one in a hundred, mm-hmm. like especially in a mortgage company. And the yeah. one in a hundred's mom or dad was was in the mortgage industry or worked for a mm-hmm. bank or something, right? And the only reason they wanted to do it is because their parents did it. Um, it's very rare that people get to do what they dreamed of doing when anything and everything was possible. Mm. So what I tell people is with cultural assets, we have the opportunity to create an organization that's greater than that helps us to aspire to be something greater than ourselves. And we as human beings genetically are wired to want to do that because it creates protection for us. Right. You know, we feel safe when we're a part of something greater than ourselves. You know, this is how tribes survived. Right. So for me, I didn't, like, and by the way, I didn't know any of this stuff, like scientifically, I just intuitively landed on it, which was like, this makes sense to me. And, and I, like, I was captain of my wrestling team in high school, and I was a division one athlete. And I've always been the guy that's raised my hand. And I'm like, well, I want to be the leader, you know? Yeah. So for me, I like leading. And that was just a thing that I enjoyed doing. And in business, if you're a good leader, and you can balance a checkbook, you can usually scale a business to make money. Um, and for me, it, that's what I got obsessed about. Uh, what I didn't like was mortgage was just this thing that was all about making money. And, the, and if you didn't compete in a commoditized way, it was really hard to create value. Yeah. And, and, and people give a lot of lip service in these different industries, how they're going to change the world. And I just didn't, I didn't see a clear path to doing it. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I saw that I'd kind of taken it where I could. I was actually kind of getting a haircut for, for, for trying to do it in this unique way. And, and I wasn't around my people. I mean, I love mortgage people, but, but they're, but like, they're not talking about what I'm talking about right now. Right. And and so for me, I, I, I pulled the rip, I pulled the the eject button and I said, all right, now I got to go do what I really love, which is let's focus on what's the the tool that I got obsessed about to to help create that growth. And I want to take that to the world, which is core values, because like I said, core values, I talk about this in my book in depth, when they're discovered, designed, rolled out, implemented, and measured for efficacy are the most powerful tool you have in your organization to create value. The, I, I, without question in my mind, the most powerful. Yeah. Why? Do you, know uh, what the defi- do you know what the definition of core values is? No, I don't actually. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like I didn't, hey, I wrote a book on it and didn't know either. So I looked you gotta, it up. You got to start there, right? When you write the book on core values, let's go look at the definition before we get started here. There should be a rule that if you write a book on something, you should know what the you should know what the textbook definition of your of your book is about. Right? Absolutely, I, yeah. I I broke that rule in spades, um, and I, so I looked it up like not that long ago, like a couple months ago. My book like it's already been out for you know six months now, <laughs> or four months now, and so I looked it up and 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 this is what it is. The the word core values means it is the fundamental fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. The word fundamental means most mm. important the most important beliefs of a personal organization. So you can't tell me, and now here's another stat that'll blow your mind. Do you know what percentage of CEOs and leaders in organizations actually know the core values of their company? Man, I'm going to guess it's really low, but I have no, I have no guess. It's less than 50%. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what percentage of companies have core values actually like documented core values? My guess is at least like 60%, right? Yeah, it's 90%. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90% of companies have core values. Less yep. than half of those CEOs who, and leaders who created them know them. And you know what, what percentage of companies can actually honestly state that at least 80% or more of their employees know their core values of the company? I'm going to say 20%. Yeah, it's 10. Is it really? Wow. It's 11% is the exact number. Yeah, 11%. Interesting. So let's back up two steps. The fundamental beliefs of a personal organization, the most important beliefs that nine out of 10 companies have documented 
less than 10% or less than 12% of their team all know those, those fundamental beliefs. That's a disconnect, right? Jeez. Yeah. Like that's a fucking gap. Yeah. Cause people and, are treating it as a job rather than as a purpose or a mission that's bigger than themselves. Like you said, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and so what I got really clear on is because they have low utility value, they don't know how to use them to make money. So if I give you a rock and say, Hey, um, go make money with this. But I don't tell you that there's a shell around that rock because that really, that rock's really just a gold brick that has a little shell of rock around it. And all you need to do is rub away that shell. And now you got a gold brick. If I don't give you that little piece, and by the way, that's what core values mostly are. It's a mm. gold brick with a little shell of rock around it. Mm. And most people just treat it like a rock. And I'm like, dude, wow. you just got to chip away that one millimeter of, of shell of rock and you got a gold brick. Wow. I, once you know it's gold, then you know how to use it. So I kind of, what, 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 there's a guy, do you know who Cameron Harold is? Yes. You know yeah. So, Cam, so Cameron's a friend of mine. And, and I was talking to Cameron about this. And, um, and he's like, Darius, you decoded core values. And that's really what the core value equation is. It's how do you take this really valuable tool and how do you implement it in a way that creates maximum value for you and your organization? And for me, it's the, it's the secret sauce for how I went from a startup to a nine-figure business in less than three years with zero growing pains. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from this show, this incredibly mind-expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come first serve and demand high touch one to one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. 
Okay, so for the people who are listening who are like, okay, wait a minute, let me go back. I know my company is successful, but we do not have a great set of core values. Maybe we have them, but we're not using them. And it's like, all right, you're hitting me in the gut here. What's your suggestions? Give them one, two steps here so they can make some move and make a two millimeter shift on their core values. Well, yeah. So, so it's, it's, first of all, it's, there's really, there's a thing you could do. It'll take you, I don't know, 45 seconds. And I'm, I'm going to have you close your eyes and just imagine this. It's really easy. Close your eyes. You go, you type in www.amazon.com and then you type in the core value equation. You buy my book. <laughs> Wait a minute. You close your eyes and then you type in www. Oh my God. <laughs> no, imagine yourself doing this. Uh, yeah. So you go and you go to Amazon, buy my book or go to my website, therealdarius.com, buy my book, and it'll teach you how to do it. That's, that's, that is the easiest thing you can do. But because uh, the book is a step-by-step. And what a lot of people have said is, man, you really have made this easy. And I'm like, yeah. I know. Because I, I learned, look, if there's 10 ways to do it, I did the nine wrong ways first until there was one option left. And then I did the last option because I didn't have any other options. Um, and it worked. And I was like, oh, that worked. <laughs> um, no, it's real simple though. The typical process, the reason why if you close your eyes and I say, hey, Tyler, do you have core values for your business? Yes. Okay. Do you know what they are? Yes. Okay. What are they? Leadership, integrity, uh, my goodness, excellence and purpose. I couldn't, right. uh, you, you put me on the spot there. I'm like, oh shit. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, at least you knew him. So you're part of the one. Yes. You're yes. the one out of two leaders. That yes. Values. I so, know. Um, which is good. That's great. You're on the right side of, of history. Um, That's right. <laughs> now, um, what most people do is they discover their values. And I think, and when you, you actually just gave a really good example of discovered, you've discovered the fundamental things that you believe in, right? Yes. So that's a well-worn path. I'm not going to teach you anything new there. And you can memorize them. Right. Um, great. So, um, the next thing people usually do is they, they roll them out to their team or, and their customers and put them on their website. And, and then last but not least, they might spend a little bit of time here and there talking about them. And, and then they go, it's business as usual. Okay. So that's the normal path. And, and, and if you have a small team, you might be able to get away with it, but that, that doesn't scale that well because what happens if you want 50 people to know them? Right. What happens if you want a hundred people to know them? What if happens if you want 200 people to know them? What if, if you want 2000 people to know them? That process doesn't work. Right. That's why the numbers are what I said they were before. So that's the normal path. And that's the path. That's what my, I, I say that what I built was a technology that disrupted that. Yep. So okay. mine is, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we're going to put a link in the show notes of the core value equation. So people can take the next steps and really immerse themselves in this process, but go ahead. Yeah. And so, I believe that there's a five-step process that, that needs. The discovery process is a well-worn path. Figure out what's important to you. Be authentic. Don't bullshit yourself. I tell people core values don't need to be nice. Do you know what the number seven core value was for Uber when Travis Kalanick was the CEO? No, what was it? It was toe-stepping. It was toe fucking step stepping on motherfuckers' toes. <laughs> yeah. I like, like it. They were all about fucking, they were not, that's not a nice core value, but yeah. they were cool with it. They didn't care. So be authentic. Don't lie. Now, I will tell you that got them into trouble. Because it didn't scale past a certain point, and they started doing yeah. shady shit, right? Yeah. Um, but core values don't need to be nice. So number one, discover nothing new there. Don't lie. Be honest. Don't let your marketing HR people tell you. By the way, the internal and external is the same. Your cust you have one customer. Your team is an internal customer. Your guy buying on the outside is an external customer. Yep. The external customers' experience is a reflection of the internal customers' experience. Bottom line. Yeah. Okay. So discovery process, well-worn path. The key that I think that most people screw up on is that there's a design process. You need to discover, then design for high use. 
And you need to design for three things, viralness, stickiness, high utility. And my book goes in and has a really specific way to do that. There's a reason why today, 1.1 trillion people, there were, excuse me, there was 1.1 trillion pictures that were taken in 2020 in general, wow. 1.1 trillion. Do you know how many pictures were taken in 2008? Uh, and, and, I'm going to say a fraction of that. I mean, yes, it was one, it was one twelfth, 83 billion. Wow. Wow. Is it, is it all of a sudden we, everyone decide they want to become a photographer? No, we have a high, high utility value tool that makes it easy for us to take pictures. So we just do it. Yeah. Plus like 14 year old girls like to take selfies, but, <laughs> but it's all about high utility value. So are your mm -hmm. core values built for high utility value? Are they built to be sticky? Are they built to be viral? We do it with marketing all the time, but we don't do it with the one thing that stands for our fundamental beliefs. That's crazy. Again, we want our core values to become the language of our organization. So they gotta be discovered properly. They gotta be authentic to the soul of the organization. They gotta be designed for viralness, stickiness, and high utility value. And then once you do that, you're good. But you gotta take, I could do, I could build the best core values in the world. If I don't immerse my team in the language of values, they're not gonna learn it. I could, I could build the best language, the best version of Spanish. But if I don't teach you how to speak Spanish, you're not gonna speak Spanish. But so I, I call out the rollout. And in, and in my book, we talk about it, we call it the core value wedding. So we build this really cool way. And the, the way you get people to interact with something that you care about is guess what? Don't make it about you, make it about them. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause guess what? We're all selfish, man. Yeah. Like you got to make it about the, the, the guy that's going to interact with it. So I okay. make it all about the team. So I do a, what's called a core value wedding. It's a rollout. The book chapter six talks about that. And then once I roll out, once I have my wedding, well, dude, it's not like you get married and then you never talk to your spouse again. That's called a divorce. <laughs> so you got to have ongoing implementation and the key to it's this, there's this really cool word in Japanese called Shibui and Shibui means there's complexity in simplicity. So we talk about what is the simple things you can do that are easy. Because guess what? The minute you make it hard, you're going to go back to what we said before. Nine out of 10 of your team won't know the core values because you made it hard. Like if it's hard, they won't do it. I can promise you that. And yep. we as CEOs do this shit all the time. We come back from a conference. We heard Darius speak. We, we go and we try to roll out his whole book. And your team looks at you and they go, fuck you. And you're <laughs> like, I got so much work to do. And you're asking me to do this core value shit. Mm. Fuck you. Yeah. Business as usual. Yeah. The, the, and they, they don't say that. They think that. They feel that. Yeah. And then yeah. what they really do is they go and they do the stuff that you will crush them if you, they don't do. The yeah. stuff that is like really most important to you, right? The running of the business. And then if there's time left, maybe they'll get around to the core value stuff. So no. I'm like, no, no, you got, you got to habit stack that. You got to make it easy. And we talk about some really simple things where what you do is you make it so easy that they can't help but not do it because it's just easy. Yeah. And there's some really easy ways to do that. We talk about it in the book. And then last but not least, why do any of that at all? Why? Because Darius says so. My, dude, listen, man, I'm a banker, <laughs> dude. It's all about ROI. Yeah. So I... I said, if you can, I didn't say this, Peter Drucker said this, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. Mm. So I gave some tools and we use a couple of tools that I, that I love NPS, ENPS. Those are Bain's tools for engagement and loyalty. I like Gallup's tool Q12. So we measure ENPS, NPS, Q12. We measure, we score the core values. If they're alive and well in the organization, we ask the team to do that on a consistent basis and we do it every quarter. And then what I do is I take those data points and I triangulate them against traditional KPIs. If I, my engagement score is down 8%, guess what I started to notice, Tyler? 
my productivity metrics were down 8%. Yep. They, they yep. matched line wow. for line. It was crazy. Wow. So I got, well, that was when I got my, my banker partners to be true believers where I'd go to them. I'm like, Hey, do we got an issue with our, we got an issue with productivity. And I didn't know I'm not, I'm visionary. I'm not an integrator. I don't know about anything mm. that's going on in the business. Like yep. literally nothing. I don't know anyone's name. I don't know anything. <laughs> like I'm just out there like doing my core value stuff and like building the company. Right. I'm not like, I, we had a thousand employees. Like I couldn't have known them if I, if I wanted to. And let alone 13 offices, 150 managers. And I could tell him, hey, I, in K- Meriden, Connecticut, is there an issue in the quality assurance department with the manager there? And I was like, yeah, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> and I said, oh, my, my NPS data showed me that. Wow. My core value data showed it to me. So if you can't measure it, you can't prove it. So it goes back to what I said before. Discover, design, roll out, implement, measure for efficacy, rinse, wash, repeat. Darius, this is amazing. And I just want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to that entire section right there because it's gold nuggets of wisdom that you can apply. It's about creating the culture that has an ROI. So that is super powerful. But Darius, one one quick thing, and I know you're going to run here just shortly, but I one thing I read Tony Shea's book, Delivering Happiness. And of course, he endorsed your book. Of course, yeah. you know, rest in peace, Tony. Um, we all admire him and what he's created in his life and his legacy that he's left. But yeah. is, what do you admire most about Tony and the example that he set as well? Yeah, man, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You know, Tony is a first person. I, I didn't know him personally, but uh, I was introduced to him, you know, when I was writing my book and, and, and I asked him if he would endorse my book because Delivering Happiness did, was one of my favorite books that I'd read. And I went and visited Zappos eight years ago and they before they were bought by Amazon and maybe they had just been bought by Amazon. But, um, you know, the guy was an artist and a CEO and he didn't yep. give a fuck, dude. Like that guy just wanted to create. And, and I went and, and most people don't know this, um, but, but they were a holacracy. I don't know if you know holacracy. No. They had no managers in the company. No one, there was no one, there was no command and control hierarchy. Hmm. There, the, so they ran a holocratic process, which is there are no managers. There's no one that you're accountable to the process, not to a person. Um, and so, uh, I'm actually interviewing the person that created Holacracy on my show, uh, the, the, the greatness machine. Um, and so holacracy.com is, is you can check it out if you want, but yeah, dude, that guy didn't care, man. He was, he cared about creating something cool. He was an artist and a CEO and he built the world changed because of him, man. He built, you know, a lot of value and it's sad what happened to him. And, you know, he's an example actually of, of, what happens when people don't take care of themselves because you know the, yeah. his story is a sad story but um, 100%. yeah i really appreciated you know i asked him to endorse my book because i i respected him and his work and, and yeah. uh, you know the world's a better place because of him yeah and i agree and and one thing that i really that really stood out about him is that they created core values and it was such a buy-in process by the entire organization and mm-hmm. they were so powerful because of that so i just knew that you guys aligned so much on that but but darius before you go i got a few rapid fire quick questions for you it's sure. called the rare air questionnaire and uh it's all about creating greatness which you're all about and oh. uh, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years what would they be Depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? So there's so many good books out there. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, when I think of the books I love, I love Principles by Ray Dalio. I'm actually reading his new book right now, um, which is The Changing World Order. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about fourth turning. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an econ guy, so I love those books. Um, you know, I, man, what type of book? 
because anything I, man where, where's your fancy strike you i mean inspiration you know business if it's philosophy you know you tell me yeah so let me let me think because i read some i've read some really great books um you know i for scaling businesses i i do believe that traction and scaling up are two books that everyone should read and yeah. Vern harnish is a mentor of mine i know gino um he's a good dude and his and both those systems are great systems um yep. You know, for econ, I kind of talked about the ones that I like there. Um, you know, I like anything from Michael Lewis. You know, I, I love Michael Lewis. I like Mal Mal Malcolm Gladwell. So I, I read the the Undoing Project by uh, Michael Lewis recently, which is mm. a really cool book. Um, oh man, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. Boom, that, baby. That's, that's a good a, one. That that was one of the best books I've read in a long time. I just read that book last year. That's super um, good. Yeah, yeah, man, I could go on, on and on. Leaders are readers, baby. Hey, you know, we, we share that. I love reading. I love the beautiful books you had behind you. I was excited to ask you that question as an author now, but I'm going to get you on your way here. Uh, two quick questions. What's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Yeah, I have, this, I have a thing called the, um, the fulfillment formula. And so it's living in my strengths, excuse me, living in my values, working in my strengths. I use Strength Finder 2.0 for that. So working my strengths, living in my values, being clear on my values. And, um, and then, and I divide that by my, my awareness and awareness comes in four different areas. Mindfulness, having a mindfulness practice. I like to meditate, waking up app by, um, oh gosh, what's his face? Sam Harris. Sam Harris, dude, Sam Harris is God. Um, so waking up app, exercising. I'm doing double days right now. I'm doing a 75 hard right now, actually. Nice. Um, diet, eating healthy and trying to get at least seven hours of sleep and hydrating. Boom. So, so yeah, fulfillment formula. That's awesome, man. I'd yeah, heard that before the fulfillment. I just I made it up. That's why. <laughs> I love that. Well, now we know you just planted the seed. What's yeah, the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Darius? Uh, you know, it, it's about I call it the give take, and it's about making introductions and helping people like find their passions. And I think it's it's just around spreading love and having an open heart. And and for me, it's around really just seeing where, what are ways I can give to create value in people's lives around me. And and I have a mentor that's one of the most successful guys I know. I mean, the guy's got a nine-figure net worth. And he said, you know what, Darius? I'm all about having living a life with, of love, uh, having an open heart, giving more than I take, and your network is your net worth. And for me, I'm like, boom, I'm doing that. Boom, man. Well, you gave a lot more than you took today. And uh, Darius, Mershaz a day, baby. Appreciate yeah. you being here with me, my friend. And yeah. uh, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things I'm doing right now. Um, but you, if you want, um, right now, check me out at www.therealdarius.com. All my socials there. Uh, we're doing the Greatness Machine live stream, and that's podcast is going live this quarter. Uh, obviously, the book, the Core Value Equation, and I have, you know, for anyone who really is serious about building core values, I am building a program that's launching this month, and it, it'll be on the. You can sign up on the Core Value, or excuse me, sign up at the Real Darius or the Core Value Equation.com, which will take you to the Real Darius, but. I'm building a program, a coaching program where, where people could sign up and essentially get one-on-one, -on -one, excuse me, group, group coaching on how do you build your core values. I have a course that's launching with that. Um, it's called the Core Value Academy. And so I'm excited for that, that that's, it's, it's going live this month. And, and for me, it's, you know, it, it's a process to build good core values, but you know, for me, you can't get it wrong or else they become worthless and they're the most important thing. They've changed my life in ways I can't explain. So those are all the ways or clubhouse, man. If you guys are on clubhouse, go to, uh, I'm all over that. So go to the real Darius. We'll hang out on clubhouse. I'm hosting a show there every other Wednesday at 7 PM central called impact. And it's all around uh, elevating conscious leadership. So I'm happy to talk to you guys there as well.
That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm uh, starting my venture into Clubhouse myself now. So uh, we'll look That's for you there. We'll put links in the show notes to everything. Darius, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Oh, Tyler, you're the man. You are the man. We'll talk to you soon, bro. All right, brother. Later. Later, man. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Darius Mashazadeh, he's an awesome guy, as you can tell. A uh, lot of fun, a lot of energy, and lots of insights there. So I hope that you were able to distill your top key distinctions from this episode. What I want to encourage you to do is distill those down to your top three. Share that with your network, right? Share that on social media. Share that through a text message, through a group text, whatever. Share this with someone else because you know that there's many entrepreneurs, there's many business leaders, there's many you know leaders within organizations that know that maybe there's something missing here, right? And a lot of stuff that Darius is sharing is extremely powerful towards taking your organization to the next level and doing something that's greater than yourself. So I want to encourage you to share this with someone else who would value this conversation, who would value these insights. And I also want to encourage you to listen to the show again, because repetition is the mother of all skill. And if you listen again, you're going to hear things that maybe you didn't hear the first time around. I want to encourage you to Listen again. I also want to encourage you by far, most importantly, is to take massive action because when you talk about your key distinctions, it's now about putting those into action. It's now about implementing those in your life, in your business. You know, because even if you don't lead an organization, even if you not, you haven't founded an organization, you can develop core values for your family, right? You can develop core values for the people that you care about. Uh, or your future, or yourself, right? You know, developing a values hierarchy process and helping yourself make decisions, right? What's most important to me? And um, I think that that's going to be a real game changer for you if you play full out. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. I want to thank you so much for playing full out with me and leaving it all on the field because that's what it's all about. It's about elevating your life and elevating others around you. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. And uh, until next time, we will look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.